Welcome to the Servants Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Called to Sent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Sent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Well, welcome. This is Elizabeth, and um, I uh, appreciate you being here with us and that listening to um, to the podcast today. Um, I admit to you before you get started that I'm on a bit of a rant, not just a bit of a rant. I have a total rant here because I'm completely fed up with our inability to, to see things clearly. Usually what I try to do is I try to look at the different issues of the day or whatever and see how those apply to Christianity and how Christians are supposed to think about events in the world and how we're supposed to respond to um, to people and to events as Christians. What is the most Christ-like response? I'm not saying I always know the right answer, but I am saying that that's what I'm, I want us to look at and think about. And the reason, I'm going to get to that in this podcast, but the reason that I think that we should do that is because I think Christianity is true, and if you want to understand anything about the world at all, you have to understand it through the, through the lens of the gospel, I mean, through the, through the vision of, of God, through the, what he's revealed to us and what he's made known. Before we start this, though, I want to say, this podcast today, I want to say that some of the things I'm discussing today are probably not what you want your children to hear. Now then, I could be mistaken. There are people out there who think children can hear anything. I'm not one of those, all right? I don't think children ought to... I think we ought to maintain innocence as long as possible, and I would encourage you to think about some of the things that I'm going to say in this podcast and decide... um, I don't think your children need to hear all this. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. As we come to you, we, we come seeking humility, and we come seeking in humility, and we seek repentance, to be repentant for all that we have done wrong. Help us, O oh God, uh, to gain learning, to have a mind of wisdom, to have Christ's mind as we approach the world around us. Open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so I got to tell you, um, I started podcasting and blogging stuff, and I had to put it on Twitter, and so now I get these emails, daily emails from Twitter, multiple, because they want me to go to Twitter and look at stuff, and that is absolutely the worst thing that has happened to me, because I cannot tell you some of the things that I've seen on there that are just beyond belief, and it appalls me that we as um, uh, human beings can be so vicious to one another, we shouldn't be surprised by that, but I am kind of appalled. Anyway, one of the hot topics right now on Twitter, and um, and I'm trying to watch less and look at these less and less and not mess with it, but anyway, that there are a lot of women who are upset about the trans movement, about men transitioning into womanhood or becoming women or whatever, and, and 
and I would say they are not without some some justification in this situation. But anyway, how many of y'all have ever heard of turf? And I'm not talking about what you put out on your lawn. Turf is T-E-R-F because we all live by acronyms these days, right? Uh, turf is a trans-exclusionary or trans-excluding, whatever, radical feminist. Okay, trans-excluding. In other words, these are radical feminists who do not think that trans, uh, trans men are women. Okay, biologically male transitioned men or women or whatever. Um, the radical feminists don't think that they are women. All right. So they're all upset because these trans men are claiming to be women. And we all know about the, um, you know, uh, what do I say? The sports guy, the swimmer who won all the, all the uh, medals and stuff like that. You know, and uh, these men are claiming to be women, and the radical feminists do not agree that they are women. Uh, and the, since they're biological males, they beat them at sports, they do all sorts of stuff like that. And, you know, they're going on, and they go into women's bathrooms and things, and so, you know, go into women's prisons instead of men's prisons, things, you know. So we're trying to create this illusion, right, um, right now. This is, what the, this is what got my attention and brought on this rant today. They're, they're trying to get, put forth this illusion of having the monthly female business that, that goes on with, with women, you know, premenopausal women, right? And I'm going to talk about that in a minute because that's, that was really what just set me off big time. But anyway, it's interestingly, trans men and women get better publicity than, say, radical feminists. Radical feminists used to, have to, used to carry the day. They got to set the agenda politically or in the media or whatever, socially. And it seems now in identity politics rankings, the radical feminists are now the second tier, maybe even as low as the third tier, you know, and they're not as important as trans people or whatever else, whatever other identity you want to claim. So the radical feminists are losing ground here and they're all upset. And I guess what I want to say is, what did you expect to happen? Really, what did you expect? I mean, in retrospect to me, this seems completely predictable, the situation we're in right now. And granted, hindsight's twenty twenty. but if we look backwards, I think this is completely predictable. Feminism exploded in the 1960s. And do you know why that is? Because in the 1960s, um, they, in 1960, they issued the pill for the first time. And so for the first time, women could compete with men in the arena of sex. They could, they could go out and be sexually active and promiscuous as men were and um, not have to worry about being pregnant. Now, I will tell you, and this is a topic for another podcast, I'm not convinced men were as pr promiscuous as they were made out to be. I think they are, but um, promiscuous are, are certainly more interested in sex than women are. But um, I think that... They were, uh, you know, if, if all the women were guarding their virginity so they didn't get pregnant, then there's probably a good likelihood that men were not having that much sex because there weren't that many women who were willing to do that with them. I'm not, anyway, so um, uh, my guess is that some of that's inflated. But that's, a, I, I haven't looked into it. I'll, I'll see what I can find out as time passes. But in the 1970s, I remember this, I was in, in junior high and high school, um, the, the women took on the, the position, uh, or Took on, they entered the workforce in mass, right? And then they um, they wore. <laughs> I don't, you have to be old enough to remember this, but women wore basically men's suits with a skirt. Okay, so they're like a suit jacket and a, and a blouse that was you know whatever. And uh, you know, and then they began uh, to wear pants to work or whatever, and they'd have whatever casual Friday or something. I don't know. Anyway, they had the men's work for, uh, their their clothing. They were wearing the men's clothing with a skirt or whatever, and then they moved on to pants and to jeans. 
I was in the fifth grade, 10 years old, before we were allowed to wear pants to school. Every little girl wore a dress to school, uh, all the way, and I hated it. I hated it. I grew up in the country. I did not, uh, we, we played outside all the time. A dress was very inconvenient, in my opinion. I wanted to wear the jeans that my brother wore outside to play, and he didn't wear jeans to school. That wasn't allowed either. But anyway, but for the first time in the fifth grade, we were allowed to wear pantsuits to school. By the time I was in the ninth grade, we were, we were wearing jeans on every Friday or whatever. In the tenth grade, we were wearing jeans every day, I believe. I don't think there were any rules except for, you know, relating to covering all your body parts or whatever by the time I was in high school. All right. You know, um, feminism, once it was unleashed, right, um, in the in the late 60s and 70s, feminism began to enter every bastion of the male world. Every male bastion they could encounter or come into or whatever. They were demanding equal treatment. Feminists were demanding equal treatment um, in every aspect. They were given entry into the military academies and stuff. They entered West Point in 1976. Before that, it was an all-male school. It was an exclusively male school. You know, there was no club that women couldn't enter, um, you know, no job that women couldn't have. And, um, you know... Um, there's a lot of there was there used to be a lot of talk about the glass ceiling and how women couldn't advance very far or whatever. Um, but and that that may have been true at the case at the time, but it's not the case now. I don't believe it all. But initially, it was all about women's rights. Initially, the feminist movement was about women's rights and getting that kind of stuff. And the equal rights amendment they really wanted to pass never passed. But it's kind of moot. It doesn't even matter anymore. Um, it demanded equal treatment of women in every aspect of life. But if you're a radical feminist, why do you want equal treatment when you can be better than men? That's a very important point, okay? So, because as women gained ground, women began setting all the rules, and they uh, became, it became about the advancement of women and, and girls, and not about the good of society, not even about equality. It became all about what would advance women and girls, right? And um, there's, um, uh, there were areas in which women excelled, right? And those areas were elevated, and areas in which men um, excelled were marginalized. And y'all, that is really an important thing to understand. Um, there's a huge array of studies that show that, that men or you know, boys are this way and girls are that way, but, but education, everything began to emphasize what um, the ways in which women excelled or girls excelled but was lifted up, and the ways that boys excelled was marginalized and set aside. Okay? Um, and as, as the influence of women increased, like as they become more educational, they're running universities, they're setting curriculum, they're working in politics and the US, U.S. Department of Education stuff, you know, as, as, their influ as women's influence increased, you're not allowed to say that men do some things better than women, right? I mean, you know, you're not even allowed to say that men and women are different. I mean, there's no such things as roles. That's all a social construct. construct. Women should be able to do everything. They're the equal of men, if not the superior of men. You know, in fact, in with the passing of time, women did decide that they were, um, you know, with their with their influence on society and stuff, decided that women are better. The the general qualities that we possess are better, and you know, for the for the world in general, right? And that you know, for I don't know, for for the feminine characteristics that we possess or whatever, um, were thought to be, or they were called them femininity in the past or whatever. But um, those were thought to be superior to the masculine qualities or the mas masculine, um, I don't know, inclinations. Whatever, whatever a boy did was considered aggressive and ADD and did it instead of just being a little boy, right? I want to read you a, a quote. I mean, people, and people scream about this. Oh, there's no such thing. I'm like, well, I'll wait just a minute, right? Because 
um, it's not all about social construct. It's not all about. Um, it's not all about social construct. It's not all about, you know, America. It's not all about uh, the development of feminism or whatever. I want to read you a quote. It said, you know, uh, it's from Christina Hoff Summers, and she wrote the book, um, uh, the book, The War Against Boys, okay? It's a very interesting book, 32 pages of references, 32 pages of, of, of notes on, on, on study after study after issue after issue or whatever, all the way through, all right? And so... Um, I want to say I want to read a quote from her. She also wrote, "Who stole feminism?" And I think that's a good question because I'm not saying that feminism is all wrong. What I am saying is that we've made a mess of things. But we're going to get there in just a second. All right. I want to read this quote from her. All right. It comes out of her book on the war against boys. She's talking about you know you cannot deny human reality. You can't just toss that aside. The reality of you know human life. And said in all known societies, women have better verbal verbal skills and men excel at spatial reasoning. Uh, there's, there's a note for that, so there, she can quote that. Women tend to be nurturers and men the warriors. Harvard psychologist Steven Pinker points to the absurdity of ascribing these universal differences to socialization. It would be amazing, this is what Steven Pink, Pinker said, it would be amazing in coincidence, it would be an amazing coincidence that in every society the coin flip that assigns each sex to one set of roles would land the same way. A recent study on sex differences by this is when I say recent that was 2008, okay? On um, sex differences by researchers from the University of Turin and the University of Manchester confirms what most of us see with our eyes. Despite some exceptions, women tend to be more sensitive, aesthetic, sentimental, intuitive, and tender-minded, while men tend to be more utilitarian, objective, unsentimental, and tough-minded. All right. Those are the qualities that, are, that kind of distinguish men and women. And if you, I've, they, I've, I didn't write down the author's name. Anyway, um, she wrote the male brain and the female brain. Very interesting stuff. And then likewise, there is um, Leonard Sachs. He's done a great deal of work on this as, on this topic as well. And he is a physician and a um, uh, he has a doctorate in. I don't know sociology, psychology, whatever. Anyway, he studies. He studied this. He's a pediatrician and he studied all this. Right? There's a tremendous amount of data to support, for example, that, um, that, that boys and girls are different and that men and women are different. All right? And um, the feminists are the ones who started all this. They said, oh, no, we're not different at all. We can do everything that you can do. Possibly so. But that's not, that, that's not the relevant issue. When, when this guy talks about there being abundant issue across all these societies, he's talking about 55 different countries that were, that, where they pulled all the data for the university, the study out of, out of Turin and out of Manchester, right? You can't call that racial. You can't call that cultural. You can't call that, you know, in, you know some, some, some sort of indoctrination. If in 55 different countries, that is how people respond. Leonard Sachs points out, look, if you look at monkeys, even among the chimpanzees or whatever and the, and the apes and monkeys and stuff, all of them have these same basic fundamental roles of male and female, the difference between masculine and feminine, right? But instead, we want women, right, uh, to get the, to be the equal of men in every possible way. Plus, we get the benefit of being women, which, by our very nature and the, the fact that we were women, make us superior to men because all of our qualities of intuitiveness and compassion and all those different things are wonderful. If we're going to be sentimental and and aesthetic and make things pretty and tender-minded, those sorts of things, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think you can run a world that way. Let me just say, all right. And now the women are mad because the men are becoming women, right? Men are becoming women. 
and we've done everything in our power to take over the male world as women. The radical feminists have done so. They weren't satisfied to get equality or be able to do make choices about careers and things like that. No, we have to take over the whole wide world. And now men are doing so, and they are doing so far better than women were. They're, 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 men, when I say men are doing so, let me back up. I am getting ahead of myself. Women, men are choosing to be women, and they are doing so with greater femininity than the women, most women today. I mean, it's incredible. Women have made themselves into sex objects, and men are now making themselves, you know, into, you know, fluffy women sort of things or whatever. And the radical feminists are mad. How did we not see this coming? How did we not see this coming is the question. The radical feminists may be mad because men are becoming women and doing so, so well, becoming women and doing so better than, than, than most women do it or whatever. I admit to you, I think that the logic in all of this is insane, right? In fact, I don't think there's any logic to it at all. None of this makes any, is, is any logical sense. There's no rationality involved in this discussion in any form or fashion. And I know that's completely, what do I say, socially unacceptable that that is the sort of thing you cannot say in our world today. It doesn't matter. It's still true. And, and you, Christian, need to know that. But I do think in where there's no rationality, it is all about power. It is all about control. It is all about, you know, influence, who gets to run the, who gets to run the show or whatever. Now then, I want us to stop for a second and think about Genesis 3. We all know about the fall um, in Genesis 3. And, um, and recently I've been studying some other material. They talk about three different falls, but I'll get back to that another day. Um, it's very interesting stuff. But anyway... We all know about the fall in Genesis 3, and, and, and uh, it's where it's talking about the male and the female. There's a lot of information in there, but I really only want to speak to the male and female issue right here. Right? Women don't like to talk about this in general because we've been told over and over again that, you know, we are, you know, that, that this demeans women and makes them less. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how it is much harder to demean women than to have men be better women than we are. Okay? I don't, that's pretty demeaning in my mind. But anyway, I think we've been indoctrinated to believe that whatever the Bible says about women is, you know, is, I don't know, misogynistic, and we don't like women, and it demeans women and puts them down. Not so, as we'll discover, not so. But I will say this, especially Protestant men in the 20th century, the, the reading of the Bible in the 20th century, I mean, not 20th century, 19th century especially, and it continued into the 20th century. But anyway, that, they really influenced the, the, view that the culture has about what the scriptures say about Christianity. And 19th century men were wrong. Just for the record, they were wrong. You know, there's a lot that we've gotten wrong about that as well. And there's a lot that we don't know, right? Anyway, um, the other night I was sitting at a table with this with a young man. He was talking about or whatever and talking about women. And, and I thought, oh, okay, you know, if, if, you're the problem. You're, if you would just stop talking, the world would think more highly of Christianity. Just don't talk about women anymore because you don't know what you're talking about. And um, anyway, but he did. He kept on talking. I couldn't stop him. So anyway, but um, anyway, let's just stop for a minute and look at Genesis 3. The serpent approaches the woman and, um, in Genesis 3, and he asks her, you know, did God really say you shouldn't eat this? Well, God didn't really say that to her. He really said that to the man, all right? But the, the, the woman had not been created yet, and so uh, the man is standing there. And if, if you know, later on, in, um, in uh, uh, Romans, Paul's very clear that the man was held responsible for what happened, not, not the woman, all right? But anyway, uh, the woman was not created until after God gave the command to the man, don't eat of that fruit. And so the serpent approaches the woman, and the woman says, okay, yeah, I'll just rationalize this whole thing. It's going to make me wise. It's going to be tasting good. It's pretty. I think I'll eat it, okay? And I want you to look at what happened. You know, the woman made this decision contrary to what God had told the man, the man. 
And the man let her make the decision. That's because I think men are weak. Anyway, neither here nor there. Anyway, what I want, the, the point that I want to make here is that she essentially usurped his decision. God told him, don't eat that fruit. And she usurped his position right there. And he abdicated it. Why? Because, whoa, it's woman. I am so excited about her. She's woman, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones, whatever you want. If it makes you happy, it makes me happy. She took control. And the man let her take control. And that's what I think we see today. I think that is exactly the pattern that we see in our day and our society today um, and as things are going on. You know, I, look, let's consider the punishments that God gave them, right? The woman ignored the command give, the, give, that God had given to the man. And so now then God says, you're going to be subject to him. That's what's fixing to happen to you, right? And um, the word for, in that sense, it says, um, your desire will be for your husband, or your desire will, will something. Anyway, it could be the desire will be for your husband. That's usually how it's translated. But, I mean, you know, I'm not sure that makes sense. Um, and it's another, other word translations say your desire will be contrary to your husband's. In contradiction, you'll want different things than your husband wants. And that's perhaps um, applicable as well. And, but in Genesis 4, 7, when we're talking about Cain in the Scripture, the same word for the desire is used there. And that's just one chapter later. In Genesis 4, 7, sin desires to control Cain. And I think that's the best rendering right there of how of what the sentence actually says. And in there, that the woman is going to desire to control the man, and but, the, but she's going to be subject to him. Because the next sentence is, he will dominate you. All right? So I think that's the best rendering, that the woman's desire is to control her husband, and the man is going to dominate her. And that is the picture of human sin and human relationships, and it's inescapable in my mind. I think it's so obvious, it's nearly impossible to miss. I mean, that, that it's this battle for control, and scripture, to, and scripture told us it'd be that way. What I want to point out to you is that is exactly what's happening now. I mean, you know, men are dominating, and they're even dominating in femininity, all right. I also want to point out that that is not Christian. That is not Christian teaching. That, but it is a correct di- diagnosis of what's the wrong between male and female. It pretty much doesn't matter what women do or how we're going to redirect stuff. Men are going to dominate. I mean, that, that's what they that, that's what they try to do, and that's how they're going to try to succeed. You take away all the feminine all the feminine aspects, and you degrade all this masculine. And the men say, "Okay, well then I'm going to be feminine, and I'm going to do a better job of it than you are." And then the women are mad because the radical feminists are mad because these these trans men are more feminine than they are. <laughs> Wait, make up your mind what you want, girls. All right. Something else I want to draw attention to is that when the man, when Adam named Eve. It was after the fall, contrary to what some, you know, biblical scholars want to argue. It was after the fall. He named her Eve. And Eve means, or it sounds like, the mother of all living. So the so Eve, the woman, is the mother of all living, and the man's name comes from dirt. That makes Eve the mother of all living, living and the man is dirt. You know, think women and children first. I don't know. I think there's some merit to that. Um, you know, men are expendable. Send them to war and put them on the front lines, not the women. I don't, you know, I don't think that's fair. I'm not serious about that. But anyway, what is really important at this, at this point is to point out that in Christianity, um, that male and female distinctions and differences um, are seen as a product of sin. Right? I mean, the sin against one another, the sin against God, the rejection, and the punishment for rejecting God and rejecting who he created us to be and what he created us to be um, are, ends up 
in in this this animosity between male and female. And thus, in Christianity, the teaching is we need to overcome these distinctions in a way that glorifies God and lifts up his created order, his creation. Okay, So to be Christian is to participate in the recovery of our, our authentic gender, gender and sexuality. Authentic, what God, what God had in mind initially. All right? I think it's absurd to think that men, men and women are the same. I really do. I think it's absurd. I've been around men all my life. I'm in a, I'm in a field where there are uh, more men than women. I don't know if there are more men than women now. But I've been surrounded by men for years, for decades, right? And um, they're not, we're not the same. I can tell you, we, we do the same job. We hang out together. I've, I've been around them lots, but we are not the same. And I make that point because I think the significance of, of women being women cannot be overstated. That women embracing um, womanhood needs to occur, needs to occur in in mass. I mean, among Christians everywhere. That we need to we need to we need to stand. And say, wait, wait, wait. We're not men. We're women. And we need. I'm not suggesting that we stay home and be barefoot and pregnant. That's that's ridiculous. Okay. I mean, but we should never confuse male and female. You, we may not be able to stop the movement of our culture, but you can teach your children and your grandchildren that boys and girls are not the same thing and they are not interchangeable. You can refuse to um, support destructive ideas. You know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and I've talked about him before, as he was being exiled into the United States from the USSR, his last parting words as he left to the crowd was, live not by lies. All right, live not by lies. Rod Dreher has written a book of the, of the same title, Live Not by Lies. So let us not live by lies because we are Christians and we are not going to live with a lie. You may not be able to change the whole wide world, but you can refuse to, ad- to adapt your life to a lie. You know, I said earlier in, this, in, in the podcast that I get back to the issue of these men becoming women and what set me off. And that's what started this whole rant, right? I came across an article in which a trans man was explaining how to use frozen V8 or frozen ketchup or whatever to emulate a female period, her monthly period, right? Men are taking excess laxatives. I mean, biological males who've been through, you know, transitioning or whatever and and consider themselves female take excessive laxatives to mock the same cramps that women have every month when their uterus is shedding its lining, the biological fact of having a uterus, right? And so these these radical feminists, these turf women, right, are mad that the men are doing this. They're, they're trans men, and they're trying to ape the the practices of feminine life. I just got to tell you, decades of, of of monthlies have not left me very impressed with those at all. I mean, I, I, I'm grateful that I'm female, and I'm you know, but. <laughs> Who wants, you know, that's not fun. Just for the record, that's not fun. And <laughs> But men are trying to emulate that because they cannot do that for themselves. They cannot mock that. Or they cannot, anyway, I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I'm not a radical feminist anything. I'm, I hope I'm a radical Christian. But I'm, most of the time I'm not a very good one, so I, can't, I guess I claim that. I am horrified because I think this is beyond tragic. Men are so invested in a delusion that they insert frozen ketchup in fake vaginas so they, because, so, because they're so desirous to be feminine. They want to be the female. Genesis 2 makes clear that men need women. And if women want to act like men, and we want to usurp all things masculine and marginalize whatever's left... Right? 
then we should not be surprised when men want to become women. I mean, because they need the feminine. I know that it works both, both ways, that, that women want to become men, and, and I'm doing some, some looking into all this. It's really hard to get data on some of this stuff, but, you know, I don't think it's an equal ratio. You know, you've had, you've had sports guys come over and change gender and be women in the sport. You've never seen a woman change her gender and go be part of a football team or whatever. I might have done that at 10, but I sure wouldn't have done it at 14. That's a word to the wise right there, y'all. You know, women, the woman, the mother of all living, I think it is easy to make the case that, um, woman cho- that women choose the destiny of humanity, that we choose the destiny and the future of humanity. The direction that women point is the direction a culture will go. And to the extent that women are godly, then society heads in a godly way. And to the extent that women deny reality, then reality is denied in that society. That is what it means to be a woman. And that is not insignificant at all. I, I don't know how much girls today understand about all that. I don't, th- I don't think they've been taught that necessarily. What I do know is that I am only 61 years old, and I can see the actions of, of women that have destroyed civilization as we know it. I mean, I don't think that was intentional. I think it was just you know, for a personal gain. And all the while, they're doing this, claiming to do it to be, for it to be done on behalf of, of women or on, on the, for the benefit of all women everywhere. And that's not true anymore, y'all. I mean, maybe it once was, but now it's a matter of power over men. And we're going to control. We're going to have control over the boys, right? You know, and and then women are angry because we can't succeed. Because why? Men are becoming superior women, more so than the woman. I'll tell y'all this: the reason that I am a Christian is because it absolutely nails human nature. It has us understood before, before beginning, all the way around. At the end, whatever. It understands what we are, what we could be, what happens when we reject God, when we reject ourselves, when we reject creation. The scripture is right every time when it reveals God. And it's not occasionally right, it's not conveniently right, but it is always right. It is always right in revealing God. It's always right in pointing to our salvation. I want to remind you, as we're talking about all this, that we do not war against flesh and blood. It's not our place to be angry at the people who think differently and believe differently. It's not our place to condemn them. It is so easy to dismiss them as others or whatever who think differently, as stupid or wrong or whatever else. But Jesus never throws away human beings, ever, under any circumstance. He never does. And so neither should we. Our war is against principalities and powers of darkness. There is evil in this that is destroying womanhood, it's destroying masculinity, it's destroying men and boys. It's destroying, it's destroying our civilization, but more importantly, it's destroying the eternal soul of many human beings. And to that end, let us close with prayer then. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. Grant us humility, O Lord. Grant us humility to be obedient to the Father instead of trying to know more than he does. Have mercy upon us and forgive us. Lord, give us the strength to stand for uh, Jesus Christ, to stand firm in Jesus Christ. Give us the strength. Give us the freedom to live fully in the Holy Spirit. Watch our voice, O God, and keep us safe. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right.
The dogs are barking. It's time to go. Y'all be blessed now. You hear? You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.